What's up, everyone? It's me again with a brand new episode of the Heart Speaks Pod. And in this episode, I speak with Stephanie Lepp from the Center for Humane Technology. We talk about one of my favorite topics ever, Disney. The great creator and translator of fairy tales for kids and adults alike, Disney is responsible for transmitting values and value systems to millions of people around the world. And whether it knows it or not, this responsibility is deeply sacred and requires an attitude and orientation in service of that sacredness. So many themes come up in this episode. Childhood development, the masculine and the feminine, the culture wars, and Disney's place in it. And of course, as always, the Jungian element behind so many of the films we know and love. This was a really fun EP to record, so be sure to check it out and share with your friends. All right. Well, hi, Chloe. Hi. How are you doing today? Um, I don't even know how to answer that question anymore. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> how? That's really Everything. the operative question. How in the world do I happen to still be doing despite? How How are we mm. doing? We just, I don't know. We just keep on doing, don't we? Yeah. Keep on keeping on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how are you doing? Stephanie, I'm doing well. Chilling in cancer season, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I'm doing well. I think I've gotten into a pretty good routine so far in terms of like being balanced and bringing balance to my life. I have my morning meditation, reading about the chakra system, avoiding excessive social media. So just like, you know, living in that That sounds really lovely. That sounds like something (laughs) that I can maybe have in 10 years when my kids are old enough. Yeah, my mornings are, I just, I show up to like a staff meeting and everyone's like been meditating and drinking tea for two hours. And I've like been in a battle. I want to like zoom the floor. It's like, do you want to look at the battlefield of the evidence of all the, yeah, commotion that went up? But um, well, good. You enjoy it. And uh, I will um, vicariously just like enjoy the calmness lathering over me. Well, so yeah, so the premise of our conversation today is Disney's hero's journey. And Mm. the way that I would kind of frame it up would be something like humans co-evolve with the stories that we tell about ourselves, right? Fictional and non-fictional, right? The stories that we tell ourselves become part of how we understand ourselves, the world, how we act in the world. And Disney is a, let's say, a vital organ of storytelling in American culture, you know, Disney stories Mm -hmm. in in ways that you know much better than I do. Disney stories have influence over how we and and, and critically how our our young people understand ourselves and understand Mm -hmm. the world. Um, And so we could say that we co-evolve with Disney stories, right? Like these stories really matter. Meanwhile, you know, Disney is a Fortune 500 company, Fortune 500 public company that is prey to the same, you know, rivalrous dynamics that that its stories are kind of increasingly trying to help us transcend, you could even say. But it's it's like it's prey right. to these exact dynamics. And um, and so but mm-hmm. we could th- then say Disney has kind of a unique opportunity to kind of help us transcend these dynamics by going on its own hero's journey. Right. And and I and I would I would think about yes. that in two ways. One is its own hero's journey in terms of the stories that it tells. And and that's one thing that I would love for us mm-hmm. to explore is just is how Disney stories have themselves evolved over time and how they might keep evol- evolving. And mm-hmm. then it might go on its own hero's journey also in terms of the way that it as a company navigates navigates situations where it gets caught in these rivalrous dynamics, right? Yeah. So yeah. maybe that that can just kind of be an opening frame for us. I love that. When I think of Disney, I certainly think of fairy tales. You know, they're famous for basically repurposing fairy tales. I mean, that's how they became what they are today. And now after repurposing fairy tales, they tell their own fairy tales as well. They've created their own fairy tales as well, mm-hmm. um, completely new. and. The purpose of fairy tales primarily, I think, is to transmit sort of values to young people. And there is a challenge, I think, with Disney in the sense that its audience has actually ballooned and grown past simply just Mm -hmm. being young people. Right. It's like Mm -hmm. everyone basically is in their target market. And that's very tricky because I think you're supposed to be able to I mean, you can only absorb certain values 
and certain lessons, it actually changes what values you can absorb depending totally. upon your age. And so we've seen over time, for example, Disney's villains become more mm-hmm. complicated. Um, so if you think of like Sleeping Beauty, Sleeping Beauty villain, very mm-hmm. simple. The mm-hmm. villain is bad, mm-hmm. right? And then you think of like mm-hmm. Maleficent. And so you have this, you have this like complexity. The challenge with that is young people actually require very totally. black and white totally. caricatures. And we, yeah. <laughs> In order to make sense right. of the world. And it takes world. black and white to make gray. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so you can't actually jump totally. to the nuance by skipping over the black and white caricature first. I mean, this is sort of such a paradox because my organization teaches Mm -hmm. nuance and things like that. But there, like I said, there are different developmental stages at which you can access nuance and which you just simply cannot. And which nuance actually can become a detriment if you're, if you learn it at too young an age. So there's an interesting thing. There's an interesting challenge. I'd be curious to hear what you think about that. Yeah, no, and I've experienced this with my daughter. I mean, the, the wild thing about being alive now and watching Disney with my kids now is that I have all of the above, right? I have the whole evolution. Mm, I have the yeah. early Disney movies and she's seen those where, and the way that we dealt with the bad guy was we banished the bad guy, right? Ursula, Jafar, yeah. Scar, they either died or we banished them. Or, <laughs> and then we get to Moana, right? And now the, the bad guy is mm-hmm. the good guy without her heart. Right. Or we get to yeah. Frozen and Encanto and there isn't even necessarily so much of a it's like people who had fear or who didn't totally understand. And she and yeah. she still talks about bad guys. And I'm not going to tell her like, oh, but wait, remember, mm-hmm. there is no such thing as a bad guy. It's like, no, she can yeah. totally believe in bad guys <laughs> because again, it's like we don't yeah. want to just right. It's not that it's all gray. I'd rather have more ingredients. Now I get to have mm-hmm. white, black and gray. Right. And there gets to be different circumstances under which or I have all three concepts now to use and to play with. I also don't I guess it's there's two things that I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose black and white because that can be really helpful. And there's some things for her that's like, no, you don't cross the street without looking both. There are some things that are just black and white and I need her to know to understand. (laughs) And and then, you know, we can get into gray. But the other the other thing I don't want to take away from her is I also don't want to take away her opportunity to evolve. It's like, who am I to like give her all Mm -hmm. these real realizations I I've enjoyed having on my own and that have been so beneficial mm-hmm. for me to have. I mean, not entirely on my own, but I'm not going to take away her experience of revelation. Right. That would be really stifling to take away her capacity to come into revelation on her own. I'm curious when she watches Frozen is the kind of or Encanto, because I think Frozen does have that one bad guy, but especially Encanto is the concept of nuance does it go completely over her head basically i don't know i haven't i haven't asked her but it's i i definitely what i have talked to her about i mean we've done a little bit of like comparative disney (laughs) and now and i mean we have definitely talked about the evolution of the bad guy and how that and, Mm -hmm. and we have also talked about and this is just yeah, but she still, the fact that she still uses the word bad guy to me is an indicator that she didn't lose that. Yeah. And um, we have talked about the evolution of women, which goes hand in hand with the mm-hmm. evolution of, or the evolution of women kind of goes together with me with the evolution. Or I was kind of hesitating because it's like when women get powerful, we don't, when women get powerful, we don't know what to do with men. <laughs> that's the issue. It's like the women, oh, the virtues yeah. of women used to be beauty. That was like pretty much it. It was like, you know, or Cinderella, she also knew how to clean really well. Yeah. You know, and then we get to Jasmine (laughs) and now we have like curiosity. Now we have a desire for freedom. And then Mm. we get to Moana and she's just the, she's just the heroine. She's just the best. She is the protagonist. She's the, she's the heroine of the movie. And so we've seen women evolve and she has seen that too. But the, yeah, the thing I was, but it's like that they don't know what to do with the men. It's like, what do they do with Maui? Maui gets goofy. And, and this is, by, by the way, this is an issue we're all, so I think Disney could help us out a little bit because we also, we writ large yeah. don't totally know. It's like men don't know totally what to do. When women get more powerful, men get more goofy. No, it's like we need to figure out a new yeah. dynamic and a new, a new a, yeah, a new way yeah. of relating. Like the tennis shoe. What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> like the t- Oh, the, the new balance <laughs> tennis yeah, exactly. shoe. It's like called new <laughs> balance. New balance. Yeah. Sorry, I get speaking of goofiness, <laughs> I get really goofy when it comes to word like wordplay. Yeah. Um it's interesting as you're saying that yeah, I heard a critique of Moana that was basically actually even harsher, which was that, you know, they don't know what to do with the men in 
Moana, but actually the men's role has been completely displaced in Moana. I wouldn't go that far. I think that the challenge with Disney is that it's not like Disney is this like separate entity that exists apart from human beings, right? Like we're all trying to figure it out. And I also, I mean, the question about the evolution of women is interesting because if you look at Moana, for example, which is one of my favorite films, you know, I teach it in my organization, Theory of Enchantment, and it's really quite powerful. But I was reading this book, Women Who Run With the Mm. Wolves. Mm -mm. Do you know this book? It's so good. Highly, highly recommend it. It's basically a book that was written for women, and it's a collection of fairy tales from all over various cultures around the world. And one of the passages that I came across recently, which I really needed to come across, actually, which was don't over identify with the healer Mm. archetype. And it strikes me that Moana is like a healer Mm. archetype. And you know, it's an archetype and not a real person because Moana doesn't really do anything flawed, Mm. right? From the very beginning, she is born Mm -hmm. a healer and the ocean recognizes this Mm-hmm. you know, and gifts her with this capacity to speak to it. Um, but she's she's like born right. a healer, basically. And I find myself sometimes over-identifying with the healer archetype, like wanting to fix people. Mm-hmm. And there's a passage in Women Who Run With Wolves that says that women tend to fall into this category because they sometimes think that otherwise they're not able to take up space unless they're healing Mm -hmm. people or healing the situation. And the thing about an archetype is that it's an archetype. It's it's Mm -hmm. not a real human being. You can't, you can't actually be an archetype, right? An archetype is like a divine ideal Mm -hmm. symbol, kind of like the, like I wear this pendant around my neck. It's the Virgin Mary. I wear it because it's a symbol of the divine feminine, right? But it's an archetype. I can't actually, or I shouldn't actually identify right. with it right. fully because it's right. not possible. It's like an asymptote. And so even it's like as... An, like you can never get there, but yeah. that's kind of part of the value of You of can it. never... Yeah, yeah. As, as like an aspiration. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. But what's interesting is like, even as women take on this more powerful role in Disney films can disney still portray women as totally totally (laughs) and not just as human beings but like not lose those virtues like beauty is beautiful be like cleaning the house really well cinderella like i don't want to lose that oh very important so i feel like there's an initial step it's like you know you have black you have white then you have gray and then you end up with like who even knows what it's like an explosion (laughs) but we're kind of in the gray you you said it when you said they've just replaced moana just replaced did you say she replaced the man's role she, she displaced. displaced it's the like man's right role. now that was a critique yeah, I it's saw. like we're yeah. doing a little bit of just like trading places um because we don't totally yeah. know what to do but like th- this is a very co-evolutionary thing it's like we don't even totally know yeah. what it is yet we kind of have to just like have everyone feeling good and interacting together and relating to each other and then yeah. and then it'll just surprise us it'll be like wow wait so you're beautiful yeah. and you clean the house and you're a leader and you have a loving relationship. This is blowing my mind. You know, like we don't totally know what it's going to be yet, though. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's like they're even even with the more recent women protagonists. It's like I almost feel bad that I'm about to say like Maribel isn't super beautiful. And they did that on purpose. You know, it's like we almost have to yeah. turn down the volume on some things to kind of like play with like what it's going to be. But um, but to your point, these these are people just like us who are writing these stories. And we're all caught in this stuff, too. Right. So it's like, I mean, it almost made, it's like, yeah. do Disney writers have to do some inner work in order to kind of like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we all do. <laughs> we all do. I mean, we all do, yeah. Within the context of writing archetypes for us to aspire towards. Right. That, yeah. In that context, that would be especially helpful. So. So Disney and, writers and who all need is to do the theory of enchantment is really this is basically an ad- yes basically <laughs> yes yeah come back to your higher self and do theory of enchantment because you know theory of enchantment is very respectful of Disney I mean I consider Disney to be sacred and there are a lot of cynical people who would disagree vehemently with that statement but <laughs> I. I think that what Disney, I think that the role that Disney plays is so sacred and so um, beautiful. And so the people working there really need to take stock Mm -hmm. of their mission and take Mm -hmm. it seriously. And, you know, if we expand past sort of the 
Pixar world, because Disney encompasses so much now, if we expand past the Pixar world and we look into Marvel, for example, or actually remind me to say something about Cruella, because I have a lot to say about that film, but I don't know if you've seen that film, but okay, so I'll talk to you about it. I'll talk about Cruella and I'll talk about a particular Disney Marvel villain, again, with the same vein of of the roles that Mm -hmm. women play. So Cruella is sort of the backstory of how Mm -hmm. Cruella DeVille became Mm -hmm. Cruella DeVille. And on paper, it's a beautiful Mm. film. Like aesthetically, it's a film about fashion, you know, because Mm -hmm. she's a fashion designer. There's many different segments in the film where you hear amazing music juxtaposed with her designing like different fashion pieces basically to upstage her former mentor, who's kind of a terrible person. I mean, Mm. she's a terrible person. And then they're going to do the backstory Um, of that person. That's the next film. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They're just sort of like... Hurt people, hurt people. Goes back on itself forever. Yeah. And I mean, the... Her former mentor is a terrible person. Her former mentor, like, oh killed God. her mom. Oof. So, like, an actual okay. terrible person. Because there's still the problem with this film... Uh-huh. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But the problem with this film, Stephanie, is that nothing Cruella does in her youth or in her, whatever, young adulthood life is actually mm. cruel. Mm-hmm. Nothing. It's completely mm-hmm. manufactured. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, absolutely nothing she does is cruel. And so, I'm sitting here watching this film with my roommates, and we're like, oh, this is so cool, this is so powerful. And then by the end, they're still like, it's so cool. It's so powerful. And I'm like, wait a minute. There's nothing yeah. cruel about this yeah, yeah. character not whatsoever, which again is a part yeah. of the problem with depicting yeah. archetypes, <laughs> right? There's nothing flawed about this character, really deeply cruel. I mean, her name is cruel, yeah. right? There's nothing cruel about this person. Mm-hmm. And so you see Disney sort of almost shying, yeah. away, at least in this context, shying away from yeah. totally. evil. Whereas in Marvel, I find there's sometimes there's a greater sense of that complexity. Yeah. So in Marvel... Isn't Marvel more for um, older? Like maybe it's like a developmental thing. But anyway, go on. Yeah. Maybe. I thought the demo for Corella was like older uh, people though. I could uh-huh. be wrong though. That was the vibe mm-hmm. that I was getting. But for Marvel, there's Doctor Strange 2 came mm. out recently. Doctor Strange is my favorite Marvel character, but that's irrelevant. Um, the villain in Doctor Strange is a woman. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And... It's basically WandaVision becomes Scar- the Scarlet yeah. Witch. And so she starts out as a hero and she becomes a villain. And the reason why she becomes a villain is because she learns that in another universe, her children, she has children and they're alive and they're thriving, but she cannot access them in this yeah. universe because huh. they're in huh. another universe. So she literally murders like so many oh, people wow. in order to try to get to that alternative reality or universe whatever you want to call it and i think that this is so brilliant because it's so real because it's so rooted in something real and a lived experience a mother's love for her children uh-huh. such that she will go to the ends of the earth and destroy anyone who gets mm-hmm. in her way obviously there's like you know a resolution at the end of the film but that's real yeah. that's like real stuff yeah. you know yeah but but then again it's like what like the, the even the source of her evil is in and of itself is a is a mother's love for her children. So that's I mean, but yeah. that's to your point about the complexity yeah. of Marvel. I mean, yeah, I that's, that's in a way. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, like Disney, you know, and and this is why we're and I guess you know we're not necessarily like picking on Disney. It's like this like storytellers writ large no. should. You know, may may all yeah. storytellers take responsibility for their co-creation of reality. We, we yeah. say, and Disney, as a company I that has that. recently yeah. gotten mired in these in kind of the you know culture war dynamics, that to me that just me. I totally see what you're saying, and and I I feel like I understand where they're coming from with wanting to kind of shy away from just straight evil. Mm-hmm. We're we're kind of going through this. Mm-hmm. We're going through this gray, and and in a way, it's like maybe in order to <laughs> you know in order to give birth to real gray, we have to just like make everything gray for a second. But then hopefully we come out the other yeah. end with black, white, and gray and more. You know, but there's definitely kind yeah. of a they're doing a gray thing, but then yeah, but then that gray thing kind of gets them into trouble also as a company. And mm. I mean, we can talk about that in a little bit. I want to kind of stay with the Disney stories for a little longer. But yeah, there, yeah. there's a way in which, um, yeah, it's like the stories and, and them as a company are kind of getting stuck in the same thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. I wonder, you know, I do think that th- there's a possibility for them to treat Grey 
with the same kind of like the Scarlet Witch in Doctor Strange 2 is very evil. Mm. <laughs> you know, she's obviously mm-hmm. evil. And you understand yeah. where that what yes. is driving that yes. evil. Yes. Right. And so it's like the exactly. yes and if Disney could could capture yeah. that. And that's I think it would be totally. on better footing. I mean, I think of that as we don't have to choose between consequences and compassion. We don't have to choose between like people yeah. should endure the consequences that are appropriate to their behavior and have the opportunity to grow for their sake and all of ours. Like we can totally reject yeah. and abhor and what someone did while we understand why and can maybe even relate to yeah. why they did it. So yeah, that's exactly. the, that's the move is like not turning everything into gray, but like keeping gray and black and white makes for you know yeah. the even more complex yeah. and the more accurate storyline. And and like the truth is too, like we don't have to let go of just black and white by itself either, right? That can be its own like part mm-hmm. of the archetype, you know. So yeah. um and I think yeah, no, you got, oh, you got no no go ahead. I was just thinking of other other well, examples other, other yeah other ways in which we can kind of we can see this like another lens through which to look at this is is love the way love has evolved so it used to mm-hmm. be very heteronormative right? it was like the prince and the princess yeah. and now we're getting into uh <laughs> sure you know in frozen i mean they almost do it in this almost like absurdly explicit way where she's for those of you who haven't watched frozen so the only thing that can cure anna is a kiss from someone who loves her is like a, a kiss of true love and so anna first like races to yeah. this prince who she thinks loves her and he you know it then it turns out he doesn't love her and he's not going to kiss her and then <laughs> and then you know olaf the snowman tells anna to go to this other guy who like maybe loves her you know but then as she's running to this other guy she finds that her sister is about to be killed so she hugs her she she like prevents, she gets in the way of the sword that is about to kill her sister. And, mm. you know, there was no true, or a, an act of true love is what it was that will save her. An and um, and so yeah. she's looking for a kiss yeah. from, from this first guy and then the second guy. And then she doesn't make to the second guy on time because she rescued, she saves her sister, which ends up being the act of true love that saves her and her sister. But it's almost done in this. Yeah. It's, and in a way that, in a way, we may have to be more explicit about things while we give birth to them. It's like, hey, audience. Mm. Check it out. The love story here is not between a woman and a man. It's between two sisters. And yeah. we just really wanted to let you know yeah. that love and Disney is evolving in this way. And then by the time we get to, you know, Encanto, then they don't have to like say it. It's just like the love between the family I see, yeah. is the love that we're. But, but yeah, but eventually we want all of the above. But I think we're right. Yeah. Right now we're kind of giving birth to something new, maybe love wise in Disney. Well, yeah, it's interesting. It shifts from romantic love to familial love. Um, but what's interesting on that topic is I do wonder, I mean, thinking about Encanto, which was such a different mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, I want to spend some time on Encanto. <laughs> totally. And it's fun because it means enchantment. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> so there's oh, like yeah. so many, you know. Would that um, be your so theory, Teoria de Encanto? <laughs> is how you would say yeah. it in Spanish. <laughs> Basically. That's awesome. Basically. But what's interesting about this is there's, I want to say something about romantic love in general and the way it takes shape, has taken shape in Disney, because I I think that Disney is still stuck in romantic Mm -hmm. love. Which is why they had to go to family instead of staying with, they're going to come back to romantic love and evolve it, but we're learning how to, yeah. Yeah. Well, the so (sighs) I was telling someone about this the other day. Where does romantic love come from? I learned this from watching this conversation between Marion Woodman and Robert Johnson, who are two Jungian masters, scholars, like, for lack of a better word, well-versed in the Jungian Mm. arts from Carl Jung's writings. And basically, romantic love comes from the 12th century, comes from the era of, like, troubadours and knights in shining armor and it was it emerged during a time where basically religious institutions were collapsing. And you're so, so there was prior no, to okay, this. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say so before that there was no. Yeah, like the concept of romantic love is not like something that came from huh. the sky. I've it's never like even asked that. Developed. Wow, that's amazing. God, we we give birth to so many <laughs> yeah. amazing things. I gotta hand it to humanity yeah. on that without one without even yeah. realizing it. Without even realizing. So it was a product of a cultural time. Religious institutions were dying. 
And this is really important to understand the context because what we as a society would do is we would project our image of the divine. If you think about all concepts come from human beings, right? God, the divine, it comes from us and then we project it out in creative expression, right? So we projected our concept of the divine onto religious institutions. And if you think of a religious religious institution, because it's not a human being, it's a container that can hold such mm. projections, right? But as religious institutions started to collapse, we started to project that same div- like idea of divinity onto human beings. And that's where the concept of romantic mm. love comes from. That's where the concept of like falling in love mm. comes from, because it's just sort of like you're like seeing another human being as like the absolute perfect being other half in mm-hmm. your mind which is archetype. like totally nuts that yeah. doesn't make any sense right? an archetype. <laughs> totally. it's an archetype, yeah. it's, yeah. An archetype. Yeah. it's an archetype it's not real like a, per- a no human being can actually yeah. fulfill that but by then you're so already that's married why describe it as falling <laughs> in love <laughs> right well yeah yeah so it's like Disney, and that, by the way, I think that was a very necessary, you know, Mm -hmm. developmental stage in our species development. But like Disney is still stuck in that concept of of love. My friend the other day was was watching Happily Ever Mm -hmm. After and I like caught a glimpse of it. I think it's like a retelling of the Cinderella story, basically. And I caught a glimpse of it and Patrick Dimsey is in it. Mm -hmm. And I just caught a glimpse of it and I was like, oh, this is like totally absurd. And the problem is that if the cultural cues that we receive are telling us that this is what love is, and what they're actually telling us is that love is something absolutely absurd and like, you know, managed expectations, this is not what love is. Love is a give and take. Love is actually being in partnership with a person with all their flaws, right? As a human being, not Mm -hmm. as an archetype, obviously striving for that ideal, but like, There's a difference between falling in love with a person in that sort of like, you're my all divine sense of the phrase and loving a person once and all. Yeah. Right. And so like, I'll be curious to see if Disney shifts (laughs) their understanding. I mean, this this, this either brings up your point about the audience has become everybody and that's tough because Disney shouldn't necessarily, or I don't know, have to do it all. Right. We have so many other stories. I mean, we have romantic comedies, we have document, we have so many other, (laughs) you know, so does Disney, I mean, maybe part of it. I mean, the question is, yeah, what, what does Disney want to be? What is Disney's goal? What they, what do they want their function to be in our, as, as what, as a main organ of our storytelling apparatus. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe their role is to show us archetypes and that's kind of what they want to do. And mm. it's up to the rest of the story, you know, or, but, but there is an archetype here that we maybe don't have yet. You know, there is an, let's say an archetype of yeah. real romantic love that is warts and all, and also hard to attain, but an archetype of kind of like real yeah. love that yeah. we, we would be well served by. Yeah. And that's something that we're still working out ourselves. I mean, to the point of they're still people. Yeah. For sure. You know, I mean, I, I mean, off like my, I don't know, I'm just thinking about my marriage and the marriages I know and the ones that are more traditional where the, and I'm sure let's just say heteronormative marriages where the, where they have more traditional roles to me on the, that are like more peaceful marriages. Um, and peaceful yeah. is not what my husband and I are <laughs> yeah. doing for, but it's also just like a little less peaceful, but yeah. we're, we're working something out. You know, we're working something out. Yeah. I mean, my parents definitely have a more traditional marriage. And I know a lot of families that are like religious families that have more traditional marriages. And yeah, I would say definitely more peaceful. (laughs) To Mm -hmm. your point. Like there's a time and place and order for everything. And that isn't to say that, that that needs to be... You know, it's maybe like the way we do tradition will yes, change. Yes, exactly. And also peacefulness. Right? As opposed to dispensing with tradition in, yeah. in, to- in its entirety. And part of the reason that know? maybe, le- and by the way, peacefulness may not also be like, is not the only goal <laughs> of a marriage. Um, but, right, but the right, way yeah. that, you know, <laughs> right. right now we're also kind of working something out, which uh, makes it harder. Whereas, let's say for maybe my kids mm. or something, it's some things will have been culturally worked out a little bit to the point, or there will be more models to the point where they won't have to be kind of yeah. like working it out in real time as much. Yeah. I feel like all of our society is trying to figure out what those models yeah, are. That's, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like I was thinking the other day, like I was putting manifestations into the, I'm, I'm becoming that person. Uh, I was putting manifestations nice. into, <laughs> into uh-huh. the ether. And I was like, these are all the characteristics that I want my husband to have. 
But simultaneously, I was just thinking like, my relationship to marriage is going to be different from what it was for my parents. Because I think they took things as given, you know, being bounded by certain traditions, creating their own traditions, for sure, creating their new traditions, but still having an incredible respect for tradition Mm -hmm. in general. And I do too, like I want to raise a family with certain Mm -hmm. traditions, but I also want to be very intentional about what Mm -hmm. those traditions are. And I think actually it's the work of every generation Mm -hmm. to do that. And the problem becomes when we sort of yeah. forget that. And I would ask, especially Disney, which is, which is you know, teeming yeah. with tradition, like to ask itself, what is it really, what is, what is its relationship to tradition? What does it want its relationship to tradition to be? It cannot simply move according to the whims of society. Like it will lose yeah. its way if it does this sort of teeter-tottering, yeah. you know, it has to be very intentional and very conscious. Otherwise, it will lose its identity. Yeah, I agree. And I also wonder if this is kind of a temporary, it might just be a temporary, just really like letting everything go for a second to just see what new Mm. might emerge and then kind of just to make room. But but what I mean, but what ends up happening, this is very, I mean, this is to me, this is this is how I understand what's happening within the context of gender. It's we get so scared. Mm. We get so scared of making yeah. room for, you know, that oh, there's this like, oh my God. And then we're all going to, no one's going to have a gender. We're all going to be gender. It's all going to, you know, that, that we just don't, <laughs> it just ends up just, it, it makes this process of evolution more painful. I could just leave it at that. You know, like, could we just make a little room for a little more room for ourselves to grow? We're growing through something. We don't totally understand that yeah. we don't have it worked out don't worry, not everybody's going to be whatever. Like there may be a little more whatever for a small period of time and that's okay. Like just yeah. let, let ourselves grow. Like yeah. that's, that, that's kind of like the ultimate, I feel it like maybe like lesson is just learning how to learn, learning how to grow, learning how to grow with less pain, mm. a little less pain, a little less pain. Because mm-hmm. when there's too much pain, we don't even get yeah. to grow. Then we just, then we just fight. <laughs> then yeah. we're just stuck and fighting in some ways. Or then we, yeah. Yeah. I feel like my Buddhist uh, sensibilities, and that's not to say I am Buddhist, everyone. <laughs> it's just to say that I have Buddhist <laughs> sensibilities. <laughs> I had to make that clarification. Less people just, yeah. Anyway, my Buddhist sensibilities would tell me to ask, is there, what is the role of actually learning how to deal with pain as opposed to getting rid of pain, right? Like one of the things that James Baldwin said was that people cling to their hatreds and their bigotries because they don't know Mm. how to deal with pain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I've been thinking a lot about how we are a very addict oriented culture, at Mm -hmm. least in America, and how that is driven by our desire to escape pain. Yeah, I don't, that's like, I'm just sitting with that question, you know, because I think it also has something to do with If Disney sees itself as merely a form of entertainment and therefore a kind of source of escapism, Mm. then how does it deal with pain? (laughs) I feel like there are layers upon layers upon layers in this unfolding of Disney that we're doing. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, I I love that you, that you identify Disney's role as sacred and there's something, there's some connection to be made here or somewhere, you know, what, what, who historically hundreds of thousands of, what was the storytelling function? I mean, our, our original myths were like creation stories, right? It was, I mean, it it came down, it came to us from really, I mean, it really was a sacred function. So there's something about kind of reconnecting that. And I don't know what that means. You know, what does Disney have? Like a, a, a faith leader from every tradition on its staff, maybe, probably, and and that, something that would be cool. That because yeah, there's <laughs> something we really need, and we really kind of need Disney to be yeah for us, especially, especially right, right now. now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really well said, and I think that's a great idea. Actually, <laughs> I like to imagine. I love the council in Black Panther. This is actually how. Yeah, yeah. Like, like every like company should yeah. have that kind of a council of all of the people who represent the people it most affects. That's the council. Yeah, <laughs> especially, and I don't even mean this negatively, especially given that Disney has appropriated these stories. True, totally. Cultures. Good point. Yes. You know, and that yeah. and that's such a <laughs> and tribes. That's such a that's such a kind of post 
kind of progress. It kind of integrates all the worldviews. Yeah, it's post Because it's like, it's yeah. doing the like honoring of the land that we stand yeah. on and the, the things that we appropriated in a way yeah. that serve the, in like a traditionally kind of a way. It, it feels like that's it's a very integral move that way of doing it yeah 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 it's like not uh lip service you know it's because i don't believe in this idea like there are some people who will say you know i'm not going to use the word shaman anymore because it's been culturally appropriated or like i don't Mm. believe in that i think that the shaman is john verveke cognitive scientist from the university of toronto said that like the therapist is our modern form of the shaman. <laughs> like the therapist is actually serving yeah. that same role that the shaman served in ancient times. And the, you know, I believe that the key is not to dispense with these roles, but to actually resurrect mm-hmm. them <laughs> and like make them in, make them mean something in contemporary form, which is that kind of integration, you know, that you're talking about. I think that would be beautiful if Disney did something like that. Well, Disney were available for hire. <laughs> Um, one, <laughs> one other, one other kind of like, so I, I, yeah, Encanto. So I would love to come back to Encanto. And one thing I'm just yeah. going to lay down about Encanto that to me is what, so to me, Encanto is a, uh, Encanto as a native Spanish speaker, <laughs> um, is a, I mean, it represents so many kind of like evolutions, let's say of Disney. One of the, one of them is just thematically Disney stories used to be kind of about the same exact thing every time. Right? It was kind of just the, it was like a <laughs> love's good versus evil love story yeah. where man kind of rescues woman mm-hmm. for the most part, part. And now we're getting into, mm-hmm. you know, we're getting Moana, we're getting into with Moana Frozen and just, just different kinds of stories. And Encanto speaks to maybe, maybe mm-hmm. what might be my most favorite theme which is which is what we've been talking this co-creation of reality so the Mm, i mean bruno i'm just gonna so the the, so so the lyrics of the song we don't talk about bruno which i this is an amazing song so i'm just gonna go through the lyrics so she says it was it was my wedding day we were getting ready and there wasn't a cloud in the sky bruno walks in with a mischievous grin and it says thunder and he says it looks like rain there's mm-hmm. not a cloud in the sky but bruno says it looks like rain in doing so he floods my brain married in a hurricane <laughs> and now we don't talk about bruno it's like bruno said these words i then i like thought about yeah. them and then all of a sudden it rained yeah. when there was and now we don't we don't talk about bruno because we understand that speech is an act of creation like we understand the power oh my of God. speech brilliant <laughs> Yeah. Brilliant. I wish I would have listened to that song before recording this podcast. Oh, definitely. I mean, I also, I've had nights where I cannot not listen to It's like, it's burned into my brain. It's like <laughs> from, in your head. Yeah. Because yeah. like we watch it and listen to the soundtrack. Yeah. The power, yeah, the power of speech. speech. So, I mean, it's so fascinating. I have so many thoughts about this because where do I begin? I mean, I don't know. So I think I told you I'm studying the chakra system. So we're going to pause on Disney and fly to the east for a little bit and uh, (laughs) talk about the chakra system. So how do I explain the chakra system? The chakra system is a a sort of template in, I think it exists in both Hinduism and Mm. Buddhism. And it basically argues that there's, it's a metaphor. So don't take it literally, take it symbolically. There there are different energy centers Mm. in the body that correspond with different parts of Mm. the body. And so when we talk about speech, that would be like the throat uh-huh. chakra, right? And like if, if all the other chakras are imbalanced, then one chakra might be excessive or mm-hmm. deficient. Uh, and the throat chakra is all about speech, the power of speech, the mm-hmm. sacredness mm-hmm. of speech. And I was telling my friend the other day, you know, it's so funny that, you know, you watch Harry Potter and they're casting spells at each other in Harry Potter, mm-hmm. Right. And there's this, there's this double meaning to the word spell because you spell mm. a letter or you spell mm. a word, right? But you also cast totally. spells oh. in Harry Potter. And usually and usually when you cast spells, you have to speak yeah, something, yeah, to yeah. say something. And that's Abra how you Kedavra cast a spell. literally you, means you like, I forget, it means something like I speak, therefore I create or something like that in Aramaic. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And the thing is, many wisdom traditions have this teaching. Genesis and God said... <laughs> right. And God said, yeah. Yeah, let yeah. there be light. And yeah. there was light, right? So these are like ancient, ancient mm-hmm. wisdom traditions that are part of the 
deep, rich soil of our cultures that are being resurrected, I feel like, slowly but surely, in films like Encanto. And thank goodness they're being resurrected because, like, I I think in many ways, obviously, our culture has lost its way. (laughs) But, like, that idea that speech... You can co-create reality with speech is, I think, something that would have that is still laughed off in certain mm. circles. Right. And in, in certain, let's say, let's say circles that is that are very allergic to anything. spiritual. Well, also, well, it's also <laughs> in journalism, because they don't want to take it's like, wait, you mean the way that I cover mm. something affects the thing that I cover? It's like, yep, yep, that is the case. What are you going to do oh, with yeah. that? Yeah, what yeah, are you yeah, gonna, yeah. How are you going to yeah. steward that power? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point and a great question. And I love that Encanto explores this in a very easily digestible way, right? And I do wonder, especially because Disney's, you know, audience is everyone. Mm. I always wonder for the parents who are sitting there with their kids watching this, do they like take this seriously? I am. Like seeing it as a form of I, I mean, I am. And, I, and to me, it's you also know? like, is Disney taking this seriously? It's like you like if speech is an act right, of creation, yeah. like, yeah, Disney, what are you going to what are you going to speak? Yeah. Speech is an act of creation. <laughs> Yeah, because we're all following along here. We're all following along. Like, wouldn't it have been helpful if Maui, you know, his apology was so like, sorry, not sorry. To me, that's the missed opportunity that is like a a beautiful apology ballad. Like, that's what we need. At the end. Yeah, the arc. So, because yeah, the art yeah, of Maui, we, like that—that that, uh, that would be that would maybe be the top number one thing I would love to help Disney write is his the lyrics mm. to Maui's apology ballad. But that's like, yeah, it's like Disney. Yeah. We're all we're all following along here, or at least like I don't know, the kids are, and like some of the yeah. parents are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, yeah. h- hook us up, help us out, give us something to work with. Yeah. Well, we're like you said, we're co-creating, and maybe the second movie will be should be called Maui, <laughs> and we learn more about Maui and his and yeah. his journey and his yeah. arc, you know. And like, yeah, the power of speech to co-create reality is so mm-hmm. profound. It's something I've been thinking about a lot, and yeah, it's really important that Disney heed its own advice. As not only in the films that it creates, but also in the way it navigates totally, these culture wars. Totally. That's why, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. And I wonder how, I mean, I like jokingly have said that in response to the Florida situation, they have, they should just have had Elsa give a press conference about the bill. <laughs> and like you, or, but, but it's like, I'm kind of not joking though. It's like, take everything you've learned from all yeah. of your films, like, or just give a press conference that everything that is spoken is a lyric from one of their movies. They have <laughs> what they need. Yeah. I mean, Ooh. they have what they need. They, yeah. it's, it's all there. It's just like, yes. they just get caught up in all the, yeah. Like we're pro the, no, we're anti pro. Like, but- <laughs> What lyric do you think they would use? Mm. Like, do you have one mm. off the top of your um, head? Well, what, I mean, wh- what would they be trying to say? They would be trying to say something like, I mean, what's, what's like the immigrant I get the question I would ask is like, yeah. what's the integral position the on, question. The, on the, like, how can they, aim, or, or like, how can they aim higher than the bill? It should almost be like, forget the bill. We're trying to yeah. grow here. We're trying to make room for some, for some things here. And, um, I mean, that's an interesting challenge. Like who, who's the, who's the character? Who's the archetype of who's the archetype? It might be yeah, a, new maybe archetype. It's a new archetype. <laughs> who's the <laughs> integral archetype? Like you said, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Mm. And maybe, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's like it's a joint press conference to Ka Tafiti. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the two sides <laughs> of ourselves coming together. To... Yeah. That would be so interesting to craft. <laughs> that would, like just as an so experiment. Cool. It would also just be so, it's like just, already without even watching it, you kind of have to smile. It's like, I don't even know what they said, but I'm yeah. already smiling. <laughs> That would be very fun to craft. I'm, I'm, my wheels are spinning now, but like what I would write if I was in like the, like the actual speech to the press that I would write if I was in Disney's position and using what you just said to inform that position. (laughs) Yeah, it's so interesting. But I will say that like, and this might be redundant, but like, I love Disney. I hope it finds its way even while simultaneously helping us find our way and we'll do it together. You know, it's a Mm co-creative. But it really has to ask itself, this is the price of being a Fortune 500 company, right? Like if your target market is everyone, then your identity or your product 
will be diminished. I mean, on some level, unless you risk not having everyone be your, you know, not having everyone be your target market, or you dig so deep, you dig so deep inside yourself that you find that common, the thing that is common to every single human being, and you make that your anchor as Mm -hmm. an organization. Mm-hmm. And that's hard because you will lose some, you know, fans, but you also understand that like that's cyclical, like that's a part of the cycle of life. There's a there's an irony that Disney is portraying more expansive roles for women um, while simultaneously as a company, you know, it's 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 goal is to grow and to grow and to grow. But I feel like there's sort of like the wisdom of womanhood which is cyclical. Yeah. <laughs> right? There's birth and there's yeah. death, right? Or there's life and there's yeah. death. There's ups and there's yeah. downs, right? And so I would be curious as a company, like how Disney would like view those things. I mean, well, that's, yeah. Now you're now you're kind of pointing to the kind of the somewhat of a straight jacket Disney is in as a Fortune 500 <laughs> public company, yeah. you know, which, but that's something it can both, it can also kind of call out. Yeah. That, I mean, that's that, like, that is something that kind of framing the supervillain as, you know, the rivalrous mm-hmm. dynamics we're all stuck in, the, the multipolar yeah. traps and the arms races and turning that into what Moloch or whatever that would that could that yeah. would actually be a helpful use of a bad guy because then the bad guy yeah. is dynamics we're all struggling with that we all want to transcend mm-hmm. that would then enable I mean just within the context of Disney it would like alleviate a trade-off between like mm. you know being the stories that like we really need versus just like having to you know profit it's like the difference between the two different senses of the word growth it's like optimizing for Mm. growth versus financial growth versus optimizing for growing up or like evolutionary growth yes yes no because and i don't i don't know how much those come into tension with i don't know i mean i i don't know like how how much it's like well we actually need to make our quarterly earnings so therefore we need to do another story that's blah 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 but um, it's but it's affecting. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it it is. It's it's these are yeah these are constraints that we're all these are kind of dynamics we're all kind of stuck in. That would be a good use of a bad guy. And I I think that's important that people understand that. Like I was having a conversation with someone recently, and I was sort of thrown off. I love that metaphor. <laughs> thrown off. This comes from like martial martial arts. Uh-huh. You know, I was thrown off because he was in a totally different paradigm. He was in a everything is systems paradigm Uh excluding the human system (laughs) right like everything is like let's combat the institutions let's combat the organizations let's combat the systems let's reform those systems but not let's talk about the human system right and it's really important that people understand that precisely what you just said the dynamics that are afoot in disney are also dynamics that are afoot within every single one of us which is precisely why they're operating on that level of Mm -hmm. a company Right. So we have to it would be incumbent upon us if we want to change that sort of like examine how they arise in our own life. And if my tendency, let's just use my dating life, because why not? If my tendency is to, <laughs> <laughs> it's like when I'm really into a guy and I feel like very clingy or very possessive. Mm. Right. Then in that moment, I'm not actually I'm actually like caught up in the power principle. Right. I'm not allowing that person to be Mm. who they are and like love them as they Mm. are. I want that person to become an Mm -hmm. archetype. Right. And like be totally removed of all flaws. And so in that moment, I'm experiencing a characteristic that is very much possessive and therefore power hungry. And so if it's if you scale that up, you get like, you know, nuclear answers. Right. It starts. It starts with the human being. It, it's not like you skip the human being and then you just go to the nuclear yeah. entries, So Yeah, I, I remember I heard, I heard something the other day of like all the problems in the world come down to people not w- wanting to feel uncomfortable emotions. Like there's a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of truth there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's that goes back to what we were talking about when we talk mm-hmm. about pain yeah. 
and like being able to yeah. deal with pain you yeah. know and i'm trying to escape it i'm trying to like but like can you sit with pain can you sit with the sensations in the body and help you yeah. and allow it to teach you something and we can differentiate be between different kinds of pain we could say there's destructive pain exactly. and evolutionary pain but you you can tell the difference between the pain of like a really good massage or the versus the pain where you're yeah. like willing or labor, <laughs> which is like, I mean, it does get excruciating, but like up until a point I am yeah. breathing through it. I am like willingly and like, mm-hmm. you know, like collaborating with it in order to make mm-hmm. something happen in order to get my cervix to open up. Like there's a, I'm collaborating with you to get something done here to open. Yeah. So like be discerning, let's say, about the yeah. pain, but like and when the pain if the, if it's a pain that can enable growth or regeneration or yeah mm-hmm. then there's like gotta gotta learn to be with it brave with it yeah yeah that differentiation is key but i fear that the more we go into escapism or addiction the less that muscle or that instrument is attuned to be able to differentiate in the first place. I mean, I find that to be the case for myself. Yeah. You know, if I'm if I'm trying to like if I'm taking weed to like escape yeah. as opposed to really like, I don't know, experience some musical or artistic yeah. thing, it's going to be very much um mm-hmm. diminished because mm-hmm. I escaped it instead of just like allowing myself mm-hmm. to sit with it. So all the work that Disney Yes. It must do. We must also do as human beings. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, um, where can Disney find you? If uh, <laughs> yeah, where can Disney and, and everybody else, as we all work through these things, where can we find you, Chloe? <laughs> Ethereumenchantment.com. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Dis- Disney and everyone else can find me uh, at Theory of Enchantment. I'm also active on social media occasionally. Uh, I have a podcast called The Heart Speaks. And you can find clips of that on Instagram and YouTube. This will probably be posted on YouTube as well. <laughs> so look for it there. You can follow me on Twitter. All the social media platforms that you probably know of, except for like TikTok, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I am available on. Awesome. What about you, Stephanie? I, you can find me on Twitter at Steph Lep. I, yeah, I think you and I, I'm going to just toot our horns for a second. You and I are two of the only people I see who are, um, sure, taking responsibility for our co-creation of reality on Twitter. I'll just, Thank yeah, you. I, I, um, I appreciate, I feel like, I'm, yeah, I'm tooting our horns. We're, we're kind of, our feeds are a breath of fresh air. I've, I found a few others, but um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think we are both. I mean, I am cert- I am committed, and it feels like you are committed too to being um, thoughtful. Yeah, yeah. Abacadabra is yeah, no joke. Totally, you guys. <laughs> but like that's that's some serious yeah. stuff. Cool. Well, awesome. awesome.